What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up and coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. If that sits well with you, sit back, grab a beverage, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA podcast. I am your host, DC. And of course, I got my co host here with me, Locke. Hey, what's up, y'all? So, on today's episode, we are about to do a Gloves and Roses. And we're going to do this gentleman first. And then. Our very next episode, we're going to end up doing covering a gentleman in which he had a really, really exciting, you know, couple fights with. And this guy. Two stories that are hard to not intertwine. Exactly. Exactly. You know, similar to what, uh, of course, is anybody you may know, uh, Locke does the bad guy, uh, say hello to the bad guy podcast, similar to. You know, some of the things where he covers a guy and and it's just hard not to cover somebody else that's a big part of that story, you know. But uh, this particular person is a Canadian mixed martial artist that trained over at TriStar with uh, GSP. Got into the sport, you know, fairly young, not, not to today's standards. I've seen guys start to get in here quite a bit younger, but for the time when he got into the sport, fairly young and has been through uh, multiple major organizations have had success at all of them. And this guy in the UFC was actually many people had him slated that when GSP retired or left, everybody thought he was going to take the UFC welterweight crown. So if you don't know who I am talking about already, we are talking about no other than Rory McDonald, the Red King, uh, a.k.a. Eric, that you hear on the podcast, his favorite MMA fighter of all time. <laughs> so before I, we I get into the week. I was surprised we didn't have yeah. him on today. I was really. Uh, no. He's going to be pissed. Whatever. <laughs> Look, we don't need. We're here to have a partial discussion about an elite level mixed martial artist. And Not Rory's a got a whole life to live. Like, he can't do that with a grown ass <laughs> man swinging from his balls. <laughs> but before I get into the normal, you know, notable fights, accolades, everything like that, anything you want to say, Lock? No. Uh,. I'm I'm excited to cover this one. This is a guy that I've had my ups and downs with for reasons that we'll cover as uh, mm-hmm. as we go through it. But definitely a guy that, regardless of whether you like him or don't like him or whatever, he's a guy that you got to respect as a fighter, I would say. I completely agree. So we'll start off with his record right now. Roy is uh, 23-10-1. As we learned a few episodes back when Eric was on, I wasn't aware that Rory had actually just retired. He was over in PFL, which I don't get a chance to watch a lot. It's not one of those promotions I don't like. I just somehow don't end up watching a lot. But uh, I guess he laid the gloves down in his last fight. So, you know, happy retirement to him. Notable wins that he's had out there. And, you know, he's fought a lot of, you know, a lot of good guys, a lot of names that people will recognize, but notable wins. Nate Diaz, Mike Pyle, Che Mills, BJ Penn, Jake Ellenberger, Tyron Woodley. Uh, before Tyron went on his on his run, this was Tyron's only loss in the UFC. Damian Maya, Tarek Safradine, Paul Daly, Douglas Lima, Nehemiah Gracie. And then other notable fights, uh, Carlos Condon, Robbie Lawler, uh, Stephen Thompson, Gegard Musalsi, John Fitch and Gleason Tebow. 
I mean, when you look at that list, it's not too many people on that list that aren't tough fights for a lot of people. Yeah, else for anybody I, miss? I think a lot of times we say that, and then when you look back on it, eh, it's a, you know some of these guys are a little iffy. Like this is a mm-hmm. that's a for real who's who of uh, yeah. great fighters at that weight class. Very solid list. I agree. Anybody that I missed or anything that you want to point out? I, I don't think so because I, I think you're hip to that game now. You're you're covering like Chay Mills and stuff like that. That used to be the one that I would pull out as a. Uh, Hey, in his day, people don't know. <laughs> now now you're hip to my game, and you know that I'm fine-tooth combing these records looking for a, a gem that I can throw back up at you. So I try to I do what I can. I try to do what I can. <laughs> now, I did mention uh, he's been in a few different promotions. He's fought for uh, King of the Cage, UFC, Bellator, and uh, PFL. He was the Bellator uh, champion. He won the welterweight crown over there. We'll get into, you know, possibly get into it later when we talk about some of the fights. But uh, over in Bellator, he did win the welterweight crown, beating beating, uh, Douglas Lima. And then his goal was to grab both the welterweight and the middleweight crown. And after he won the welterweight, he moved up and faced Gegard Mousasi for the middleweight crown and lost that fight. But, you know, he did fairly well over in in Bellator. Awards and accolades. As I mentioned, Bellator champ. Wikipedia has it down as two title defenses, but technically it was only one. His other defense was actually a draw. So, but it was, they were still in a, a tournament at that time. And so because he advanced, they look at it as a, a as a title defense. But uh, three-time fight of the night bonus, one-time fight, uh, performance of the night bonus over in the UFC. He was also the king of the cage, uh, lightweight champion. And um, and I didn't know that the king of the cage actually had a Canadian champion. So I guess he was a regular lightweight champion and a Canadian lightweight champion. And multiple... Well, because, you know, yeah, when you get to that king of the cage level, not all those guys can cross the borders and stuff, you know? Uh, <laughs> me and you have been around the circuit on some local fighters where the people got to, you know, tape up their tethers and shit to get That's out true. there. So. <laughs> that is true. Uh, other, there's been multiple outlets, uh, news outlets and whatnot, that uh, his, his biggest accolade as far as fights was that... Uh, Robbie Lawler's second fight. So Bleacher Report, MMA Junkie, Wrestling Observer, uh, World MMA Awards, all of them in some way, form, or fashion either has that as fight of the year, uh, fight of the month, match of the year, something. So he has the accolades for that. So for awards and accolades, that's pretty much what I had. Anything else you wanted to throw in there? No, I I think that about covers it. But I would say that, so both those Robbie Lawler fights are great. But I would mm-hmm. say that second one's potentially one of my favorite MMA fights of all time. I, I'm not going to say for sure because it's yeah. that's so hard to start. You know, when I start thinking of them, there'll be more that pop up. But that's yeah. a great fight. It's one that's hard to be. I'll, I'll put it like this. If you say that to somebody, even if somebody throws another fight out there, they're not going to look at you like you're crazy. It's like, ah, that's a good one, you know. Even if they say, well, what about this? They they have to acknowledge that is one of the best MMA fights of all time. So I would agree with you there. Which rolls into <laughs> the first question of the night. What was your favorite Rory McDonald fight and why? So I'm going to officially just throw one out the I'm not going to pick a loss as their favorite uh, fight rule. Because I guess that was a little bit easier with the GOAT thing. But the more we get into this, it's just too hard to not do. And and I was looking through a lot of his wins. And, and That's he's got why I don't impressive... follow that rule. <laughs> it's it's just too tough. Like, I mean, I look, I'm looking at the, the Tarek Safadine knock, knockdown was impressive. You know, you know what I mean? There's some fights that I was looking at. But ultimately, you can't be in possibly the greatest MMA fight of all time and me pick a different fight just because you lost, because it, it'll be disingenuous. Because yep. my favorite Roy McDonald fight is the second Robbie Lawler fight, for sure. Yeah, 
So for me, I put down two. And the reason why I put down two is because I thought you were going to say, hey, you can't pick a loss. And I had that as one. <laughs> and so I had a backup, right? And uh, my backup was that Mike Pyle fight. And the reason why that was my backup, you know, he, he was, you know, had come into the UFC. He had recently had a loss, like, you know, two fights before, suffered his first loss against Carlos Condit. And then when he came into that fight, and we know how it always is when you have a young up-and-coming guy going against a veteran. You just never know how it's going to turn out. And Mike Pyle, if people didn't know, they found out because he still had a – well, he was already a veteran at that time. Mm-hmm. He had a, a, a really good career, like years ahead in the UFC still, you know, just as being a crafty veteran and figuring out how to win and reinvent himself. So – it made that win that much more impressive. And it was like a complete, you know, dominance, uh, you know, first round. And Rory looked possibly the sharpest and most crisp he's looked before. The only other time where I saw him really crisp like that, like really, really crisp, was in the BJ Penn fight. The problem is it was an already shot BJ Penn, right? So that's my only problem with that. But yeah. That Mike Pyle fight was a was a big one for me. The the Mike Pyle fight to me is one of my all time favorite movie quotes from Bull Durham when Tim Robbins says, "I want to announce my presence with authority," and uh, <laughs> that was Rory McDonald's announce his present with authority fight for sure. The one more thing I wanted to say on the uh, on the fight that I picked the Robbie Lawler fight. One of the other reasons I don't mind picking it, even though it's a loss is that was an impressive Rory fight. It's not like a loss where, you know, he looked like shit. Anybody could have won that fight. You you know what I mean? He he still, he looked like a real warrior Mm -hmm. and he kind of really, you know, put himself out there as a, a true fighter, I think, as opposed to, cause you know, he was in that somewhere in that category where like a lot of tri-star guys, and I don't know if it's their style, people try to lump them in as like an athlete as opposed mm-hmm. to a actual fighter. And I think Roy mm-hmm. McDonald proved there that, nah, he's, yeah, he started young. He was an MMA guy from the beginning and all that. And not to say he's not athletic. They are athletes, obviously, but that mm-hmm. proved that he's also a fighter, I think. But yeah, the Mike yeah. Pyle fight, definitely. I know it wasn't his first UFC fight, but that was the UFC fight that put him on that... uh Yep. That upward trajectory. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, can I say uh, my least favorite fight since you already touched on it? Uh, sure, go ahead. So the BJ Penn fight is one of the reasons <laughs> that I have real, real issues. And, and I had a hard time getting back on with Rory McDonald because it's one thing. Okay. You're fighting a, a, a shop-worn BJ and he's up a weight class, and you have a significant size advantage. But he spent a large portion of that fight really styling on him, and Rory McDonald's is lucky that he could kick my ass because I would have really have liked to take a swing at him. I wouldn't because I know better, but yeah. that's about as frustrated as I've ever been with a fighter in my life, to be honest. Which, look, it's it's a lot like WWE or anything, or Floyd Mayweather. You just want to evoke an emotional response, whether good or negative. So ultimately, he did the job, right? Because he got an emotion out of me. But that was one of the, in the moment, the most pissed I've ever been at a fighter during an MMA fight. That was a tough one to watch. You know, it, you know, it is what it is. I, you know, that's, as we've talked about on all the times we've talked about BJ, in my opinion, that's a fight that he should have never taken. But when you go down the road and you take that fight, you know it is what it is. Well, it's, um, it, it's dumb when you look at that fight because we've talked about how, yeah, he should have never took that Yari or Rodriguez fight. Yeah, mm-hmm. he definitely shouldn't have took that. Like, they just kept saying, hey, you like a young lion? And he's like, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's like the, <laughs> the, the BJ quote after uh, – gsp like he accused him of cheating in grease gate mm-hmm. and gsp mm-hmm. said well if he really thinks i'm cheating we could do it again he said i accept like, immediately <laughs> yeah, exactly i don't give exactly. a shit <laughs> i am always down yeah yeah it, yeah 
That's all I'll say to that. Yeah. <laughs> when did uh so when did Roy first come on the radar for you? So I would say I mean I'd seen all his early fights. His first fight was uh on Diaz versus Maynard, which I believe oh no 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 that wasn't it because I was gonna say the UFC finale, but that was where he beat Manny Gambarian. But I was uh I'm a fan of both the Diaz brothers. Even though TJ likes to call them both journeymen, but he also calls the junkyard dog a journeyman. So what the fuck does he know? But I've always been a Diaz fan, so I've seen all his fights. So he's always been on my radar, you know, since then. But when he actually beat Nate and physically uh, imposed him with a, you know, Mm -hmm. got him up off the ground and put a slam on him. Look, Mm -hmm. Nate's not the biggest dude. But he's got enough technique and style that you don't see a lot of that. And yep. uh, that was something that was kind of like, oh, shit. Because I, I don't think I was expecting that. I, I don't think up until then I had had that kind of faith in his grappling ability. And and mm-hmm. I think it speaks to his always having trained MMA as a discipline. Because I don't think of him as a wrestler. But right. he's really flexed some guys. I don't think mm-hmm. of him as a jiu-jitsu player, but he's got a legit black belt. You know, he's mm-hmm. just that well-rounded of a dude. And and I think seeing that was where I was like, oh, look, I've seen people beat Nate. It's part of being mm-hmm. a Nate fan. You don't mm-hmm. see a lot of people physically impose yeah. them in a grappling like that. How they do it is important. You know, right. it, it's different. But yeah. usually you beat him while he's still laughing at you, pointing at you. <laughs> yeah. He uh, actually came on my radar. I did not see his first fight. Of course, I saw it later in the UFC, but he actually came on my radar in the uh, Carlos Condit fight. And early on, um, I didn't really feel one way or another about him. And then I became a bit of a fan with the Nate fight. And then I started to not like him because... So many people start saying that he was the best welterweight and GSP was in his way. And when GSP leaves, he was going to be champion. And I just didn't see that from him. Like the things that I'm usually looking at where I'm like, yeah, that person's going to be champion. There's going to have a run. I just didn't see that in him. And it wasn't what that he wasn't good. It's just that thing. I didn't feel like he had, especially when you say, the only reason he's not champion is because GSP is in the way, right? But he had some really, you know, he impressed me. Like you said, the the, uh, the uh, Nate Diaz, you know, fight. There's quite a few fights in there where he really impressed me. And I really became a fan. I became a fan fan during the Rory fight. That's, that's where it was like, the, the I don't Rory care if this guy ever be, I'm sorry, during the Robbie fight. Okay. I was, I was uh, you know, I was thinking like, I don't care if this guy ever becomes champion. Like he, you know, he really impressed me. So, but yeah, he became on my radar during the Carlos Condit fight. So were you about to say something? No. Okay. So what fight that didn't happen would you love to have seen? Was there anybody you wanted to see him fight at any point in time and that fight just never happened? And if so, what time period? You know, I like to add those time periods. What time period would have been a good point where you wanted to see that fight? Uh, now, the time period you're throwing me off on. I got to do a better job of prepping for that. I I, I always know the which <laughs> fighter, and I, and I got so tired to prepare for that. But I haven't been doing a great job with the what time period. You know why? Because so. that's important because... That overlap or the point in time in which you see certain paths cross or you really want to match people up or even saying, hey, I want this fighter from this time and this fighter from this time to fight because I think it's important on the matchup itself and the style, you know? No, I I definitely agree. And uh, but I I think I got it. So so I'm good. So the fighter that I think would have been a good fight that I would have liked to have seen for a number of reasons is uh, you better Nick not D- say the guy okay great because a couple of times you stole mine that one oh, wasn't okay. mine go ahead 
well, I, I went with Nick Diaz, and, and here's a few of the reasons. For one, I've never got to see Nick Diaz come back and beat up a guy that beat his little brother. And I, and I mm-hmm. always thought that that would be... I just feel like that's such a promotional fail. I mean, that's such a... It's, it's an easy thing to promote, but if you know the Diaz brothers... I feel like that makes it even easier to promote. That's a hell of a storyline that I like. But I also think you got two guys that have similar builds in that they're tallish weight class or they're tallish welterweights, long range, and they're both equally well-rounded. But from a core style, they're very different. Where you have... Rory that comes from TriStar, which is known as a very technical gym, a game plan gym, uh, you know, we do stuff a specific way kind of gym, versus Nick Diaz, who, and I'm not going to shit on Caesar Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, it's a great, you know, great trainer, uh, the whole scrap pack, obviously they're pretty good, these guys did pretty well for themselves, but it's a little bit more of a savage style take one to give one kind of style that kind of thing and uh especially now after seeing that rory is down to go to war i just think that that could have been if you make it a five rounder they're both cardio guys i just think that that could have been a hell of a bloody scrap and i don't mean it like i'm doing a a british impression i mean no a a, a lot of blood. blood So yeah. Nick Diaz is going to split open immediately. Yeah. And then Rory's nose is going to turn into a fountain immediately. Can and, you uh, see? It's going to be a gore fest. I've been trying to share my screen, but it's not popping up for me. Can you see my screen by chance? I can. I wonder why it's not working. Yeah, that's weird. Well, you'll find out later why I was trying to share it with you. Okay. You'll find out uh, about three questions from now. <laughs> gotcha. You've got a three or four questions now. So for me on that one, the fight that I never saw that I thought would have been really good was uh, Johnny Hendricks. In particular, if they could have fought right around 2016. So in 2016... Before the Stephen Thompson fight, Rory had really only had the two losses to Robbie Lawler, right? And during that time, as far as as far as Johnny Hendricks go, Johnny Hendricks, right around that 2016 mark, he had lost to GSP and he had lost to Robbie. But he also, if we make it before, he fought wonder boy or even right after he fought wonder boy if it was if it was right after he fought wonder boy they both would have had one loss coming off of one loss and i don't think that i don't think that johnny hendrix was shot yet i don't think that he was gone yet and i think they probably could have even made it a, a catch weight fight and those two styles i would have loved to see also I would have loved to see, you know, who gets revenge on who was uh, Rory representing TriStar and, you know, GSP being his mentor. Does Johnny Hendricks take that motivation and go out there and really give it to Rory? Or does Rory say, hey, you know, you was on steroids and, you know, you beat up my guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know how that one comes out. So. I think that would have been a really interesting matchup. Thoughts on that one? No, I like that. And I definitely had that on my radar. So it, it would have been interesting. Uh, I didn't give a, a time frame for mine. Mm-hmm. So I would have liked to, I would say around a, the 2011, 2012 time frame. Okay. So it's right when Rory was still on his way up, mm-hmm. but Nick Diaz was kind of around his peak. I think mm-hmm. that's a little bit, I think that's, fair-ish because Rory might have had a little bit of a higher ceiling. So if you mm-hmm. do at uh, Rory's peak, it might not be as good of a scrap. But yeah, Johnny Hendricks was definitely one I had on my radar. And if you look at, you know, the Tyron Woodley fight, 
the Mike Pyle fight. I think mm-hmm. Rory has a lot of success with that against that body type, yep. which honestly you you wouldn't think he would. It, it seems like a, a matchup problems, but he he does well against that body type. I feel like. Yeah, it, I think it's because of the way that he kind of he has his this weird pop shot jab that's not traditional at all that gives him pretty good space and he's long for the weight class, you know. So I think that's one of the reasons why. And I want to clarify, because it might seem weird to put, like, Johnny Hendricks, Tyron Woodley, and Mike Pyle all all, all in a, a group together. But I just mean kind of that stout, powerful body type. hmm Absolutely. Now, as we know, he just retired. But is there another promotion that you think, and, and he retired, unfortunately, we know how it works with, with uh, you know, fighters. They usually don't retire on top. That just never happens, right? So he retired with, uh, you know, coming off of two losses and four losses in his last five, right? And he was in PFL. And that last loss was a, a TKO, first round TKO. Looking at that, is there any other promotion that you think he should, you know, go ahead and fight in? Or do you think, nope, hang him up, don't come back to the sport, your time is up? So when you look at the fact that, you know, the Bellator, I don't hold too much against him. He was still fighting pretty high-level competition in Bellator mm-hmm. and, you know, taking risky fights. You know, Gegar Musasi is a risky fight. And I've said on here before, I don't want to hold losses in super risky fights too too much against people. So I'm with them through all that. But I think when you go to the PFL, and I like the PFL a lot, and I know that, so this is going to come off like I'm shitting on them, but I like them as an organization. But when you're Rory McDonald, who, like you said, at one point was mentioned in the same, you know, as the next GSP and then you go to PFL, and then you go two and four over six fights. Your last two losses, the guys don't even have a Wikipedia page. That's definitely when it's getting close to that time. Uh, I looked a little into it. He's had a couple kids recently. He, you know, he's had a son in 2019. He, uh, I guess he's he's refound his spirituality, and uh, you know, he's a born again Christian. So, and even though he's a young man, he's been at this a long time and it's a hard business. So I definitely could see it being time to go, but all that being said, I say Rory McDonald versus Mike Perry, bare knuckle next month. That's yeah. We're talking MMA promotions. We haven't said anything about bare knuckle. Your quota was met months ago. There's no more checks, okay? Nope. No I'm more telling checks. you, that's, that's the fight. Mike Perry, Rory McDonald, Bear Knuckles. no more did, checks. Did you see Mike Perry's next fight in BKFC? No, who is it? Luke Rockhold. Yeah, so on to other topics. <laughs> also appearing on that card, Eddie Alvarez. We do have a, uh, we do have a Bear Knuckle question coming up, so. Gotcha. But, yeah, um... I mean, I agree with everything that you said, and I actually checked because he's only 33. I knew he had started out early, you know, as I mentioned, you know, in the in the opening. But I thought he actually started around 18, 19 years old. That's why I said it, it, it's not that young for today. But he actually started at 16. He was born in 89, and he started his first uh, pro fight was in 2005. So, you know, he he started fairly young, and by 21, he was in the UFC. Uh, I'm sorry, by 20, you know, roughly, he was in the UFC. So, well, And um, a lot of these guys start young, mm -hmm. but not fighting professionally that young. Yeah. The the other people that come to mind, you know, there's a, a guy in the UFC right now, I forget his name. I want to say he's a Latino kid, uh, young Rosas? kid. This, yeah, yeah, he's pretty young. 
uh, over in one, the Lee family, you know, unfortunately, Victoria Lee passed. She was, I think she started off in that promotion at like 16, 17 years old or something. So, you know, you Joe see Daddy it. Joe started real young. Yeah. It's just mostly, most of the time you see that more in, as far as how young they turn pro, you see that more in maybe boxing or something like that than you do in MMA. But to your point, he's a young guy. I mean, listen, he's young enough to have two whole other careers and still be a, a relatively speaking, a, a young man. Like he literally at 33, he go on another 10 year career in something. Right. And only be 43 years old. Right. You know what I mean? So, that said, I agree with everything you said. I, I don't think he should go into, you know, any other fight promotions. You never really hear him talk. He doesn't have a big personality. So I'm not sure if, you know, he got any broadcasting in him or anything like that. But when we talk about him and May promotions, yeah, I think he did the right thing, hanging them up, move on, do something else, especially if, you know, you got a family now and everything like that. I actually think... We, you mentioned he was 33. I think he's young mm-hmm. enough that he could, he made a lot of money. He could go to college and then start a full second career. Absolutely. Straight yeah, people I have done stranger agree. things. Absolutely. I've started over careers multiple times and I'm definitely over that age. <laughs> so, you know, next question would be I know he already retired, but had he not retired yet, who would you want to see him in a farewell match against? Hmm. That That is a tough one, but I think a, a good farewell match that would be your matching guys at kind of the same place in their career or skill level. I think maybe we could run back that John Fitch fight. Mm, it was called a yeah. draw the first time. Yep. I mean, I know John Fitch is older than uh, mm-hmm. Rory McDonald, but he got a later start. They both retired fairly recently. I don't think either one like, is, is head and shoulders above the other where it's a dangerous fight. I know it's a fight where there's no title implications or anything, but just to, mm-hmm. to to get to the bottom of that draw, who's the real winner? I think that'd be be a good one to see and, and a fair one to see because I don't want to put Rory McDonald in there against you know what I mean. Uh, so let's get him in there against Kamzat and see what he's got. Or Gilbert Burns is really <laughs> looking for a fight. Yeah. So for me, we go to that area where I said this was going to come back, and I couldn't share my screen, so. I actually have Nick Diaz and I have Nick Diaz at another point on this, but the reason why I chose Nick Diaz goes into some of the reasons why you mentioned it earlier. I think it's a good style fight. I think had, you know, the UFC or another promotion been able to put something together. We know that Nick Diaz had to come back and take a fight and it was a fight he absolutely shouldn't have taken. He didn't look good and, you know, a, a still really dangerous Robbie Lawler. But I would have loved to see a farewell match. I think um, that fight is exciting and dangerous enough for both guys. But it's, you know, to your point, it's not the up and coming. Like, I don't want to see guys do the BJ pin. You know, don't don't go after the up and coming, you know, guy that's looking to put a name on his, his record. Yeah, I want to see you do that if you still have it in the tank. But when you're coming toward the end of that career, you know, fight, either exciting fights, matchups you really just wanted to have or big money fights and move on. Don't don't fight these up and coming hungry lions. I think it's a bad idea. So I agree with you 100 percent. I do like that. And I even thought about that when you mm-hmm. said which fight do I think that they missed and when do you want to see mm-hmm. it? I was almost said, well, I like 2011 or just right now too. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're still on the same uh, trajectory. I think it'd still be a fair fight. 
So next question, and this actually goes into your comment about Mike Perry. <laughs> Who would you have liked to see him in bare knuckle against? And I've already put the cat out of the bag, so I'm going to go first on this. I actually had Nick Diaz for both of these slots. I think him versus Nick Diaz would have just been, and bare knuckle would have been great. And, you know, I could just imagine going back to what you mentioned with, you know, if they were fighting all the blood and everything, I could imagine them being all bloody and Nick Diaz slopping him, talking about what do you got? You know, come on, what do you got? And bare knuckle, I think it would have been exciting. No, I, I like that one. I definitely could see that. Look, Nate, Nate's on the market right now. You know, that's true. That's uh, that's true. That's something that could be kind of interesting. He's got a win over him. What about Paul Daly? Yeah, that could be a good one. I, I mean, you bare know. knuckle is kind of uh, it's kind of a British. <laughs> You know, that's kind of where the roots come from it is, uh, you know, back there with the old uh, old timey bare knuckle stuff uh, should be right up Paul Daly's alley. I think it's your typical style versus style. Uh, Paul Daly's a little shorter than Roy McDonald, but he's, you know, Paul Daly notorious has long ass arms. And I think you got Paul Daly throws the haymakers. He's going to have to adjust that to a style over there versus Roy McDonald, who, to be honest with you, the way he strikes is probably a very good fit if anybody's yeah. a good fit for bare knuckle the way he punches is designed for that kind of fighting yeah i agree i think he you know once again not now i don't want to see him fighting anywhere right now but i think if he had chosen to go that route going back to that the way he throws that jab and that jab that bare knuckle just busting up people nose and eyes that would be nasty for a lot of people and, you know, people think it's the haymakers and stuff like that. It's not. If you just keep getting, you know, hit right in the middle of your face or your nose and you can't really get to the other guy because of his footwork and jab, it's going to be a long night. And as we've seen in a lot of fights before, you get that jab really going like that and then you start landing it on the chin, you can put guys out. You mentioned Gilbert Burns earlier. I mean, if you remember, that's what put him out in that uh, – uh, in that Usman fight, you know, Usman kept throwing that jab, that jab, and before you know it, he would touch it with the jab and Burns would just fall. And I I don't think that people realize how deadly a jab is, especially the bare knuckle with really small gloves on. No, I, I agree 100%. And, and like you said, I want to preface this all with I – agree with him retiring raise your kids yeah. <laughs> while you still can enjoy your newfound life with christ like i i, I love all that mm -hmm. for you have a good time uh yeah. but you're also a grown man and i am a sports fan so yeah i think if he was to move forward or even if bare knuckle was something bigger like maybe if bare knuckle was bigger when he left ufc originally or the second time when he left Bellator. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's something that he has the style to have been very good at. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. We got one last question on here. What do you think about his career path? Of course, he was another one of those early people that, you know, he left the UFC. He was coming off of a couple losses, but, you know, I think he could have re-signed with the UFC. He was still good still a big name, and decided to go the Bellator route and then eventually PFL. But what do you think about that, you know, that career path? Actually, I have one more question after that. You are muted right now, sir. I don't I don't hate his choices, and here's the reason why. I'm sure he could have re-signed with UFC. I, I'm sure they'd have been happy, too. They would have paid him good. I think he wanted to be a world champion, you know, and – I think, oh, let me see, what exact year did he leave? Uh, uh, 2000 2017-16. Okay. Yeah, I just don't think that there was a legit 
path to that title at that time. If you, I mean, look, he he had beat Tyron Woodley before, mm-hmm. but that wasn't the same Tyron Woodley necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't think. But when you look, not long after that, uh, the Usman reign starts. I don't think that there's a lot of. I don't think there's a lot there for him. So. I think for what he wanted to do, like, yes, if he just wanted to stick around and have a big name and make more money, he could have stayed at U- in the UFC. But I think some people want different things, and I think he really wanted the world championship. And, and I think it's it shows in that the second he won a world title in Bellator, he immediately wanted to go champ champ. I think he was just mm-hmm. a guy, he was more worried about that legacy. And it's almost like where you see these guys that have Hall, like Hall of Fame quarterbacks or whatever that late in their career, they go somewhere cause they just need that ring. It's the one thing that they don't have. And yeah. I think he just really needed that cherry on top of his career. And I don't think it would have ever happened in the, in the UFC. Yeah. Um, no, the, go ahead. The, the PFL reign afterwards. Eh, that I'm a little bit more iffy on, but if you feel like you got something in the tank, you got something in the tank. But the the leaving the UFC to go to Bellator, I, I kind of see why he did it. And I, I kind of like it in that, you know, he, he might have been able to be a little bit more famous or, you know, if, if that's all he wanted in the UFC. But I respect that he did that. And we don't necessarily know what his total fame level is because we're American. You know, he might be mm-hmm. a little bit more marketable in Canada than I know of. To where those sponsorships and that banner and those uh, ads on your shorts are worth a little bit more than what I'm counting. Because I don't know how famous Roy McDonald really is over, you know, up there in America's hat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what Locke just said was people in Canada have no personality. And so therefore, he's probably a great personality in Canada. That was what I heard. So send all your hate mail to Locke at... <laughs> no, I agree with you. Yeah, whatever, I agree with that. man. They're Canadians. <laughs> They're too nice. They're not... They'll get mad. They'll have a couple beers, drink some maple syrup, and get over it. But Canadians will fight you. I don't know if you ever seen hockey. They're a of rowdy course. bunch, of course. But they're also nice. They don't hold a grudge. So by the time they make it to me, eh, they'll be over it. I used to spend a lot, a lot of time in Canada. So yeah, so. I'm going to throw something out that is not really a question. It's more observation. And then I'll let you reply to that and then we'll wrap it up. So piggybacking on what you said, um, for the most part, I agree with his path. The only thing that I wonder is what would have happened if he had become an early pioneer in Bellator instead of going to the UFC. So he came to the UFC in uh 2010 right and i look at the paths that cross um uh as we know we talked about he fought uh douglas lima who became pretty much you know he is the name especially when you talk about welterweight over in bellator he's he's definitely the biggest name that just they got and he just never left right uh, everybody else that was a big name left for the UFC or whatever. And Douglas Lima just stayed. But Douglas Lima got to Bellator in 2011. And this was right around the time Viacom took over and bought Bjorn out. Now, he was still president or CEO or whatever at that time. But Viacom had bought him out. But I wonder, just like how we saw... uh. Uh, uh, Eddie Alvarez and um, uh, what's his name over here now? Uh, Mike Chandler. Chandler, yeah. Just like we saw those wars over there back when Bellator was like really exciting, in my opinion. And a lot of wars like that where they had these matchups of these pretty much homegrown guys. I think we could have seen some of that with the likes of. Ben Askren, uh, 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 Rory McDonald, and mm-hmm. Douglas Lima. And I think at that point in time, and with those guys mixing it up and growing over in Bellator, 
there probably could have been some argument as to who would have had the better welterweights at that time during that, that, you know, reign through there. And I think him getting more experience over there would have actually made him more dangerous coming over here with a title shot. And I think he would have had a different level of confidence. And I think he could have went a little bit harder in some areas because maybe he also felt like GSP was kind of in the way and he was being a little, maybe a little bit strategic in what he was doing. Whereas over in Bellator, sky was the limit for whatever he wanted to do. And then he could have came over after GSP retired in, when did GSP retire? 2014 or something like that? Uh, I'd have to look it up. I think it was like 2014 he retired. Uh, I'll tell you in one minute. He retired in, yeah, his his last fight was, uh, it was 2013. His last fight was... Um, was uh, I, I love that Hendricks you just don't before. even count the you don't even count the, it doesn't count <laughs> you don't even it count doesn't the count fight. his last fight was in yeah, 2013. Was shut the fuck yeah. up yeah, it doesn't count never Bro, happened. what are your what are your thoughts on that no I, I don't disagree with anything you said uh i think that definitely could have had some possibilities and i think that might have done a lot for him to develop his skill set which was very high level he had Mm -hmm. uh, a very high level camp with high level people in his gym and i think at bellator he definitely as he was getting eased in i just think the competition would level would have been a little different where the ufc his second fight in the ufc is against carlos condit yeah you you know what i mean And uh, it got harder from there. And and, and I think that kind of leads to something that uh, I wanted to touch on, which is Rory McDonald's soul. Mm-hmm. And and I don't mean <laughs> with his new refou- newfound religion. I mean, we've always said uh, a saying that we use is there's some fights where people just kind of leave a little piece of their soul in the ring. And, and what I mean by that is there's fights where just some guys are never the same again after that. We see it with Junior Dos Santos. We see it with Rory McDonald. There, mm-hmm. There's a lot of that. And you maybe don't get that if you're kind of, you have a long more, you know, a lot longer to, to work on those skills and develop your style because, you know, we know the second fight for sure. Mm-hmm. But there still might have been a little piece in that first fight that he left in there. And, and, yeah. You know, one thing I should have said when you asked about career choices, and I was just looking strictly at, you know, organizational choices, but I also think he didn't do himself any favors when he decided to move up and take on Gegard, because I think that second Rory fight cost him a lot. I don't know that he was ever the same after that, but he looked good against a couple high-level fighters, when he first went over to Bellator Bellator. and then he decided to make the Mm -hmm. jump up. And uh, I don't know if you rewatched the Gegard fight, getting ready for this, but Gegard's a big, (laughs) strong dude. And uh, he was dropping some powerful shots and some power for all those. And he had that nose gushing like a fountain again. And uh, I think that could have exacerbated the situation a little bit. You, you know, I think yeah. once you were doing a good against these Bellator level welterweights, you maybe should have grinded that out for a couple of years and just, you know, tacked that on the resume. This is the problem is that I just don't think people ever gave Gegard enough respect. And he's one of those people I have a lot of respect for. I think people confuse not being exciting with not being good. Gegard is very good. And he's lost some fights that shouldn't be a loss just because people don't find him exciting. But, and if you remember when he was in the UFC, he had went on a nice little run and he kept calling for a title shot and they wouldn't give it to him, which is one of the reasons why, you know, he ultimately ended up losing. But way, way back when, before he ever came to the UFC, I remember watching some training videos where I think both him and uh, Fedor was in Strike Force at the time. 
And it was some, you know, one of them went around the other or whatever. They were doing some training stuff. And this was still, you know, big, dangerous Fedor. And uh, watching him with Fedor, I was like, oh, this guy is going to be good. And he and He's a what? A, a middleweight? Oh, this guy's going to, you know, he goes between middle and light heavy. But, uh, and, you know, he ended up winning, you know, a, a few titles out there. Uh, but, yeah, I just don't think that people you know, have enough respect for Gegard's skill set, especially if you're a smaller man. He's, it's just not likely you're going to get that win over Gegard as a smaller man. But yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Any last words on this one? No, I think I think I covered it. Like I said, uh, Rory's one of those guys that early on, I did the full roller coaster. I was impressed early on. Uh, he really pissed me off styling on BJ, but you know, those Robbie Lawler fights, it, if nothing else, it earned him uh, a huge spot in my heart as far as fighters that I respect. Yeah, no, I, I agree that, that, I mean, you said it, I agree. So everybody, thank you for listening. Come again. That wraps up another great Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at topic at fatboymma.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.